oh, well, damn you and your yogi brain and <laughs> thoughts. But you're right. You're right. One of the things I've been doing in quarantine is every time I'm online, I just casually unfollow or block a few people. <laughs> and it feels so good. I've hit snooze on all of them in my mind because I'm like, I like you as people and as part of this community. But what I don't like right now is that what you're thinking about is yourself. Hello, and welcome to Shiny Objects. I'm Jamie King. And I'm Elise Mason. We're founders who also happen to be cousins and best friends. After over a decade of working together, we're pulling back the curtain and getting raw and real about the messy business of work and the reality and sometimes fantasy of what it's like to be your own boss. How are you, Elise? I'm good. I am so tired. I'm like eyelids drooping, blah, tired, but I'm so glad to be here talking to you. I feel you 100%, but I had a, what I like to call a big gulp of coffee this morning. So I also have those caffeinated vibes, but I feel you. It's just, I don't know, man, this time. It's like everybody you talk to has had something like just weird energy, something happen. I feel like not to sound all, you know, it's the moon or whatever, but it's just, it's just 2020. <laughs> yeah, there's some real dark energy moving around. Literally on our team call yesterday, we all compared notes about our weekends and all the crazy 2020 energy that impacted all of us in very different ways. But that common theme of there is some real crazy shit happening for everyone. <laughs> Speaking of weekends... This is like so random, but my unimportant important news today has to do with an adventure or adventurous weekend that I had. So I know we talked about how I borrowed my neighbor's paddleboard um, in the episode Paddleboard Rewards. If you haven't listened, take a listen. Anyways, long story short, my partner had promised that for like our first anniversary, I would get a paddleboard and we've been married for just over six years and we just got a paddleboard. (laughs) So we went camping this weekend and we took it. And a friend of mine who is very outdoorsy, adventurous, does lots of things, suggested that we take this paddle from the bay side. So like this really nice, calm, almost like a lagoon, and then take it through the confluence where the bay meets the ocean and then paddle into the ocean. And then we'd make our way to the beach where my family would be. So it sounded great. He was so confident that I was like, oh, he's done this before. It's got to be easy or at least doable. And turned out to be quite an adventure, more than I bargained for. So for the first stretch uh, across the, the bay portion, it was about two miles and it was lovely. It was calm. I saw a seal. I was like, wow. I was just like, mind blown. This is beautiful. However, my dog followed me for about a mile on shore and I was trying to leave her with my husband and I had to go water rescue her and bring her on the board because she'd gotten too far away from him and Colby, my son. So I had the dog too. And then we get into the confluence and at first it's fine. It's just like a lot of boat traffic and it's kind of choppy, but we're like, we're fine. It's like totally fine. I'm like, yeah, this is doable. If it's like this, this is no problem. Then we get to an eddy (laughs) 
and we're stuck and it's like twirling me in circles and I'm like okay all right well this is this is a little bit harder than I had imagined and I don't think that I can do this and anyways we both get stuck in the eddy we eventually just paddle out of it and then to shore and then the the suggestion is we hike with our paddle boards and go around it and then jump back in so in this moment I had this instinct to say you know what that paddle was so nice. Why don't we just turn around and paddle the bay back to where we started and then take our little tiny walk up the hill and then meet everybody over at the beach, which would have been a really, really, really short walk. But instead I was like, well, he was so confident. I'm pretty sure he's done this before. It must be like really doable. And I don't want to crush this adventure where I just didn't want to be like, I don't want to do it. I'm scared by one Eddie because that's not me. So we hike. And the first mile, I'm like, okay, I can do this. My hands are aching, my like shoulders and my triceps and just like my whole arm is just like getting sore and I'm switching arms every so often and switching all the things, but it feels fine. Then the second mile of the hiking, I'm like, okay, this is dreadful. (laughs) Like I'm hot. It's like pretty exhausting, but I'm like, okay, still can manage. Then we get to a place where we're like, we're going to get back in. And I'm looking out at the break. Now we're on the ocean side and I'm just like, oh my, well, he seems to think this is something that we could do. So it must be fine. Must be fine. So there we go, paddling out into this break, which I'm sitting there looking at thinking, oh my God, oh my God, please. Is this like something I can actually do? And I basically, I make it over a couple different waves. And then the third one, after I'm like, yeah, I'm like kind of adrenaline. Like I'm thinking I can do it. I'm going to get out past the break. <laughs> it's going to happen. The third one comes and I literally see the nose of my board. And I'm thinking to myself, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Like this wave is going to swallow you. And it did exactly that. It swallowed me. It flung <laughs> me from the board. I did not have a leash on this paddleboard because I had never paddled in the ocean before. So I never even thought about having a leash on it. I'm not in a wetsuit. <laughs> Like just none of the things that you want for this like very cold Oregon coast ocean adventure. And all of a sudden my paddle's flying. The board is like has flown. I'm like afraid it's going to hit me. I'm in the waves. I'm like getting tossed and I'm just like, no, no, no. I need to get out. This is really, this is too much. So I get my like shit together, like (laughs) figuratively and literally. I rescue my shoes, which were strapped to the board and then had floated away. I like I rescue all of my stuff, including my paddle and my board. And I surf it in like on my belly, like body surf it in, come on to shore and randomly coincidentally, like friends that I didn't even not did not even know, were going to be in that same camping area that weekend, were happened to be walking down the beach. And they were like, there's this crazy, there's these two crazy people out in the water. And they're like, big time surfers, and they know the ocean and whatever. And they're like, who are these crazy people? And they're watching us. And then they realize it's Abby because she's barking and crying at me on shore. And then they're like, oh, my God. And I get out and they're just like, you guys are nuts. And we were also wondering who these crazy people were. And it turns out it was me. And then my friend comes in and it's it's a no-go for him also. So we have this really long walk down the beach. We end up, our total hike was three and a half miles carrying paddle boards like in the sand. And a two oh, mile gosh. and a two mile paddle <laughs> through the bay. It was like over two hours of adventure. My hands were like actual claws. 
like I couldn't unfold my fingers for a little while. And I was just like, it was crazy. It was just such a crazy adventure. And I thought, trust your instincts sometimes, dude. Like you should have just said, I think we should turn around here. This just feels like maybe this isn't going to work in our favor. And we kept saying like on the hike, oh, maybe we'll paddle back out if the break, you know, isn't quite as bad this far down. But the more we walked, it just kept getting bigger or just like seemingly the same. (laughs) So I was like, okay, we're just going to walk with these stupid boards. Yeah. And then Casey, my partner, like about three tenths of a mile from where I was going to meet them on the beach, I see this man like running down the beach in the sand in the sunlight. And I was like, oh my God, is this a hallucination? Or is that Casey coming to get me? (laughs) And it was Casey, thank God, not hallucination. And he carried the board for me the last 0.3 miles. And I was so grateful because I could, I was just like, I felt like I was going to lay down in the sand and just be like, somebody find me here. I'm just going to stay. (laughs) because my arms cannot do anymore. (sighs) So that's my unimportant, important news. My paddleboard went out, (laughs) went out for a crazy adventure. And then we took it to a lake on uh, Monday because it was a long weekend. And it was like this just super, you know, calm, whatever lake. And we put the whole family on it (laughs) because we only have one. So it was me. Casey and Colby, my two-year-old, on the board, not the dog. We left her at home. And I got really frustrated because Casey had been paddling and I wanted to take over paddling at one point and I couldn't paddle the board. And I was, and it, part of it is I'll say this, is that my two-year-old, if he gets his hands on our paddle connects, like to make it long and you can take it apart so you can pack it easily. He always takes the top of the paddle and he won't let it go. And he wants to like pretend he's paddling with it. And it's so frustrating and I couldn't get it away from him. And so I'm thinking it's because I don't have the full paddle that I can't paddle. But no, as it turns out, Casey forgot to put fins on the board. So we paddled out into a lake with three people on a paddle board with no fins, (laughs) which makes it really hard. So my unimportant, important news is all about paddleboard misadventure. Um, On a bright note, I'm so excited that you finally got one. Same. Yes. And it's already been quite, what do you call it? Broken in. (laughs) Yeah. You've christened that paddleboard a few ways. (laughs) Yeah. In some stupid ways too. But there we are. (laughs) Anyways, that's my unimportant, important news, which really turned out to be my adventure story that I just, it needs to live on because I have to remind myself that I actually, I did that thing. And didn't yeah. trust my instincts and turn around. <laughs> <laughs> you always got to trust your gut. I think if there's any lesson we've learned in 10 years of business, it's that we're supposed to trust your gut. Yeah, I definitely need to to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my unimportant, important news is not nearly as exciting or adventuresome. But as you know, we had virtual summer camp a couple weeks ago. And yesterday, one of our sponsors' packages showed up for me. Like, I just got my package from Bioenergy, which um, was like ribose goodies and like a water bottle and a headband, like all this cool stuff. And I took it as this sign of hope when I got this package because granted it's a few weeks late and they mailed it over a month ago so it wasn't the sponsor's fault it was the 
postal service. But I took it as this bright light of hope because I got it on a day when we were totally smoked in. There was ash falling from the sky. As I told you, we had kind of an apocalyptic feeling weekend. And then I got this package and I was like, okay, you know, things are a little delayed. They're not operating on normal timelines or in ways that we're used to, but it did show up. It got here. The postal service came through and it just felt like a symbol for, you know, maybe things are going to be okay. I like that ray of sunshine. A good, a good mail day is like always a good day. Um, speaking of mail, and I probably shouldn't ask you this like publicly live because now I'm like blowing the whole surprise, but your birthday was <laughs> a while ago <laughs> at this point. <laughs> and for your birthday, I sent you this like really lovely shipment of hard kombucha, which I think we've talked about because it's very important. <laughs> super important. But I also wanted to send you like another favorite thing or a thing that we often love together and some sort of coffee form. And so I went to ship you and I, I told you this part already, some fills. And instead I sent it to myself because I forgot to change the shipping address. So I got this like a bunch of beans from Phil's and I was like, oh, this is lovely. However, oh crap. And then I realized what I had done. And then I was like, oh, so then I was going to go back in and just do the same thing. But then I realized that the one thing I've never seen you with or in your coffee arsenal is cold brew capabilities. And so I'm wondering, did the little cold brew setup arrive? And if not... Damn you, mail. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so exciting. I just make cold brew in my French press. I don't have a setup. And no, it hasn't arrived. <laughs> okay. So thank you. I'll keep an eye out. Maybe in like, you know, next year sometime it'll show up. <laughs> yeah. Well, that one I definitely didn't send to myself. So I actually didn't fail that one. So that's your spoiled surprise. But I was just thinking about it when you were talking about super delayed shipments because... My brain was delayed when I tried to ship you Phil's coffee. And then I, I just decided this gives me an opportunity to switch course. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm super excited now. I'll be checking the mailbox more often. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit selfish too, because I figure when I visit, I want you to have a full course <laughs> set up. <laughs> I'm really I into like selfish it. gift giving. <laughs> well, I hate to break it to you, but my June shine, I think I have like two cans left. So there oh. won't be any left for you next time I see you. That's okay. I did. I did also get another friend who's been making Nutter Butters, Nikki. I mm. did get her like a huge, like one of those massive, it, it's like a crazy amount of nut butter jars. It's like, you know, Costco beyond size um, for her birthday. Yes. Cause I wanted to make sure that her Nutter Butter um, supply was never at a short, a shortage. So I, I'm really into these, <laughs> these gifts, the gifts that keep on giving. I mean, that's strategery right there. <laughs> Is strategery a word? I don't think so. Oh, I was like, wow, I love that. <laughs> I don't know where it comes from. Just I was going to say it's like one of those like corporate words, like synergy or something, but I don't think it's actually corporate. <laughs> I think it's like a goofy word. <laughs> I like it. I really like it. Oh, I need some strategery this week to like keep my head on straight. It's just been... It's just, yeah, this weird 2020 energy. Um, yeah. And I like your hopeful thoughts that things may be like, that maybe there's more hope. 
God, I hope so. I really, really <laughs> hope so. But yeah, today we are, so our theme for the week is open. And we're thinking about that in ways, in the ways of listening, having an open mind, being open to being challenged intellectually or in the way that you think or in your deepest held opinions and uh, finding ways to sort of expand your own thinking and horizons. And I'm excited to talk about this today because it feels like a really hard thing to talk about right now. I think this will be a good challenge (laughs) to think about being open because it really feels like everyone is so set in their own sort of camp, right? Like we're such a divided country or such a divided culture. Everyone's really hardcore on one side or the other, and it's really contentious. And it feels like more than ever, we need to be doing a better job of listening to each other and approaching conversations with more of an open mind or more of a generous spirit. Do you consider yourself in general an open-minded person? I think I am. You tell me if I'm wrong here, because you probably know better than I do. But I think there's a few issues where I have super strong convictions. But then beyond that, I feel like in general, I'm almost too easily persuaded. If someone presents a compelling argument, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes perfect sense. And then someone could present the opposite argument in a compelling way. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, actually, no, I'm totally on that side. So I think in a lot of areas, I can be very persuadable with the exception of feminist issues or humanitarian issues. I have strong opinions that I'm probably not going to budge that much. Yeah. I think that's similar for me. I think I'm open-minded, but I also think I sometimes have a really hard time accepting when I'm wrong, which is often. And and not accepting it because I definitely will accept it internally, but I don't always like to admit it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I find that to be a big challenge for me. And I, I have very strong opinions that I will vocalize on a lot of subjects. And sometimes those strong opinions are met with nervous laughter or I'll spark up something that people will just kind of look at me and be like, why so hellbent about this? And sometimes I don't even totally know why I feel that way. So one of those challenges and sort of the reason I asked is because and this, this has a little bit to do with open-mindedness, but also just like my sort of, I don't know, where I'm like, I love to, if I have this opinion about something, I will like be pretty vocal about it and to, to a point where it's uncomfortable. And before I had Colby, when I was, I think, pretty newly pregnant, and there was all this stuff flying at me in my inbox and through my family and my friends about what you do when you're pregnant, like parties and the things and all the protocols and, you know, just the stuff. Like, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And I felt really crazy strongly about gender reveal parties. And I have friends that have had them. But I made a lot of snarky comments about them, which was probably insulting and probably not the right way to go about it. But I did it because in my opinion, (laughs) they were lame. And I never really went into detail why. But this whole thing that just happened with this gender reveal party starting a wildfire, um, which is a huge deal. um, I I think it's funny how or like not funny in the ha ha way, but just kind of interesting how all these people are now coming out. And there's this whole narrative about how like screwed up gender reveal parties are. And I'm like, damn, I've been talking about this for years, guys. <laughs> it just took a wildfire for everyone else to get on this bandwagon with me. But like, I don't care about your stupid pink and blue streamers. And also like, don't do that to your kid. Um, and I don't want to eat, you know, your mystery frosting in your cake. 
Uh, and yeah, I just, the whole thing just, yeah, it's all over the top and whatever, but it, it sort of feels validating. Cause I feel like, yeah, that sort of thing that I would say that people would sort of look at me and like, be like, okay, I don't know why she feels so strongly about that or needs to say something. Um, and yeah, I sometimes try and let those things go, but then they resurface and then I'm like, see, <laughs> you've been beating this drum for years. I know they listen to you. Maybe we could have <laughs> prevented like all these homes from burning and all this smoke being in the air. Yeah. So I guess that's one thing I was not very open-minded about was like, when I was, <laughs> when I was pregnant, I was like not open-minded about like all of this stuff lying at me that everyone told me I needed to do. And I was just like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have a stupid cake. I like don't even, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't want to burst streamers out of balloons. I don't want to pin the tail on the baby. Does I, like whatever it is that you do, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to play the poopy diaper game. Like, just don't make me do these things. And often I met with like, just have a little fun or lighten up. And those are <laughs> things where I'm like, this isn't my idea of fun. And I don't have to, where I feel like I don't listen to others. And I don't feel, I, I guess I feel okay about that. Like that part of me that feels really like convicted about something, even if it's, you know, I could do a better job of like hearing people out and not being snarky <laughs> towards them because that's not the right thing to do. <laughs> I mean, I share your sentiments on gender reveal parties, but I don't know. I feel like this is one of those like super backward things that we should stop doing. Like we should all be aware of the conversation that's happening around gender right now and be like, oh, yes. maybe I should put my kid in a box before they're even fucking born. Exactly. And also my kid who is, who is biologically male, he likes pink. So. Yeah. Pink streamers for anybody. That's right. We can all wear pink. Do you know back in, I think it was the 19th century, pink was actually a boy's color because it brought out their natural ruddiness. Oh, well. And then it's just recently that it's transferred into being a girl's color. So come on, people. That's that's really interesting. I once had somebody who's a friend um, say to me one time, uh, with you know, good intention and all of that. But she said something like, when I think of you, it's so hard for me to imagine you as a pink person. And I was like, huh? And she goes, I don't know. It's like the rest of you doesn't totally match this idea of like loving pink. And I was like, why? <laughs> what she was saying was it's this really feminine color and, you know, I like the outdoors and I do these things. And so I don't match that stereotypical pink um theme and in some ways as weird as that comment is it made me really happy because I was like good I don't want to be in your box of what pink should be and I mm -hmm. love pink and I dress my kid in pink all the time one of his favorite t-shirts is a bright pink shirt that I got him in Mexico with a giant octopus on it and he loves it and he looks great in it he does look really cute in that shirt and yeah I think it's about that box thing like it feels so limiting to be like, oh, you're the kind of girl who likes pink. <laughs> what? what does that even mean? <laughs> I mean, I'm also the kind of girl that does not like, can be like outdoors and do epic adventures, but like hates creepy crawlies. So I mean, right. There's a lot yeah. of room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't have to limit ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Don't By put me in your box. <laughs> streamers started a forest fire. <laughs> 
yeah 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 anyways I went on a tangent um clearly (laughs) clearly I had a lot of things happening in my brain today with the big old coffee (laughs) ah and I'm trying to you know help your tired brain too because I I know how that feels (laughs) yeah no let me draft off your energy thank you um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I was thinking about this because you do hold really strong convictions about a lot of things and, <laughs> and you're not shy about sharing your opinions. Is there anything that you've held a really strong conviction on that you ended up changing your mind on? Ooh, gosh, probably a lot of things in my early twenties where and I don't even like to say this cause it's like, it, it sort of went with like a label that I felt like I needed to uphold. Um, when I was like doing the whole vegan thing and I was feeling very like self-righteous and all about myself, I had this like strong conviction over what you should be eating um, and shouldn't be eating. And that's something that I was really wrong about. And I let go of massively um, over time. And honestly, it's been really freeing and not that being vegan is wrong or bad or any of those things. For me, it just, it brought on this like label of intensity that I was just like, this, this doesn't work. And also I was like making these like, just like unnecessary judgments, I guess, towards other people who were, you know, eating kale tacos. And I don't mean like a tortilla with kale in it. I mean like a kale taco shell with whatever super greens in it. I just had a lot of misconceptions about food and sort of how to fuel and what was right for some people. And, and now I've let go of all that shit. And I, I don't ever use the word diet cause I don't diet, but in air quotes, like I don't believe in any of those kinds of diets or labels. And I'm a vegetarian and mostly have been my whole life, but it's not something that I impose on others. And I'm very liberal in how I eat and I am not a junk food shamer or any of those things anymore. Like I will happily sit and eat half a bag of Doritos and I don't mean a small snack size. I mean a half of a party size. Just a so party size. That's one thing. I mean, there's so many. And some of them maybe I'm not ready to admit. But that was one that I like. <laughs> I'm glad I shed because it didn't. It just wasn't serving me. And honestly, veganism wasn't serving me, even though I was trying to like make that shoe fit. I told this story to you offline. And I don't remember what brought it up. But I remember one time when I was in my vegan days and my now partner um we were dating at the time and he had ice cream in my freezer like the good stuff the stuff I love and want to eat all the time and I remember one night I'd had some wine and I was like I need to eat that I need it now but I did so I ate it and then I hid it in the back of the freezer like because I ate so much of it I didn't want him to know that I'd eaten the ice cream because all of a sudden I was not vegan I just ate this product And I felt so shameful about it that I hit it. And then the next day before he could even like realize it was gone, I'd already gone to the store, replaced it. And then I ate the amount off the top to make it look the same as when it was in the freezer before (laughs) I'd gotten into it. Like that's how far I went to be like, yeah. And I I mean, and then I think that was like a real signal for me that like (laughs) something didn't change. Um, So yeah, sharing that story because it feels, yeah, it feels right. It feels like something I needed to let go of because clearly like, it was limiting me and making me feel like I had to do like really weird things like that, which I couldn't just be like, and like, and he would not care. Right. Like I could have just been like, Hey, I like had to eat that last night. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> That's such a great story. <laughs> and it's, a, I think we've all been there 
in some way, like maybe not specifically with being vegan, but something related to food and shaming. We've been doing a lot of listening lately around people's experiences with food. We just had Ali Bonner on this podcast last week, and she talks a lot about her eating disorder and what her recovery was like and gets very raw and honest about it. And so we've been listening to her. We had our activist workshop about bodies and taking up space, which ended up discussing diet culture quite a bit. And it's just reinforced for me how many of us have really intense relationships with food that make us do things that are sort of outside of our character. Yeah, it makes so much sense. And listening to that, I think brought up that story of the ice cream for me. And I think it's because of those those women who shared in the Taking Up Space workshop, uh, particularly that I started to think about how, for instance, my partner, he'll eat a party size bag of Doritos on his own, and he'll never feel that ounce of shame. Like he might just be like, Oh, I, I don't feel that great. <laughs> like, I mean, because <laughs> it feels good in the moment, but it doesn't always feel that great after. But he never like has that like, capacity for that like shameful feeling of like I did this terrible thing right like that I felt about the ice cream for instance and I I think what I've taken away from that and sort of where my mentality around food is is that I want to be as joyful about like indulging on something as my two-year-old son or my partner feel like I want to feel like I ate the whole thing um my son always (laughs) says I ate all it, mama. I ate all it. And I'm like, yeah, so did I. I ate all it. (laughs) And I want to feel that pride and that joy in that. I don't want to feel shame because I think that that's how we should feel. And I feel like if you take that, and I think exactly what those women were saying in the activist workshop, I listened to it and I thought, yes, yes, that's what we all should feel. We should all feel like sort of unrestricted, like no shame. It really helped open my mind to a lot of things. It also helped me rethink how I approach people or even make compliments to people and taking the body component out of a compliment and trying to think of ways to compliment people in ways that are more meaningful. Mm-hmm. I've really challenged myself to do that because of that workshop. As Autumn, one of our panelists at a whole story talked about my body is the least interesting thing about me. And I was like, oh my God, that's so true. I know that about people, but sometimes you just, it just feels like the easiest route to a compliment or to something that you notice. And so I'm trying really hard to reprogram my thoughts and uh, find other ways to sort of like celebrate people. And it's weirdly hard. (laughs) It's really hard. (laughs) That was maybe my favorite line from that whole workshop, Autumn saying, my body is the least interesting thing about me. We're so deeply programmed to focus on bodies and that's the first place compliments go. My sister-in-law totally called me out on this. It had been a while since I'd seen her and I show up and she had just had a baby not too long before. And I see her and I'm like, oh, it's so great to see you. I was like, you look super skinny. Just like, it just flew out of my mouth. It just came out and it was sincere and I meant it as a compliment, but that's the first thing I said to her. And she just looked at me and she goes, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. (laughs) And I was like, you're right. That was not what I should have said. It's one of those moments that has stuck with me in a good way because it's this constant reminder of don't focus on someone's body. <laughs> Try yeah. something else. Yeah. And find a different thing to celebrate about them. Like, dude, you are so strong. I like the way that you ran up that hill or I can't believe how you crushed on the paddleboard or I can't believe you were able to carry your kid. Like other things. 
if it needs to be physical, can you make it about an actual thing that they did, like some sort of accomplishment? Somebody said it like really inspired you, you know, or how smart they are. Because God, so many of our friends are so freaking smart. And sometimes we forget to tell them that, right? <laughs> like, I often like will ask questions. I asked a question to my friend uh, who we've <laughs> talked about her before, but she's a lawyer. And I told her how all these years I'd had a startup and it was a Delaware company. And I was like, why are they Delaware company? (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I mean, the dumbest question ever because I should know this. But anyways, it was such a great thing to be like, oh yeah, you know these things. You work in this field. And I don't know. And just to let your friends know like that you think highly of them. And maybe it means just asking them a question that you're kind of embarrassed that you don't know the answer to. Yeah. Admitting that you don't know something is an important part of being open to because it's the same I think it's the same kind of vulnerability of being willing to listen to someone else's side is to just admit I don't really know anything about this and sometimes we don't even know what we don't know yeah and sometimes too even on just not knowing facts if something pisses me off I'm gonna tell you or like rant about it a little bit more than you might but I wonder if you have these reactions or you sort of have to sit and process something like this I was feeling irritated about something with somebody, like a somebody thing. And I was like venting about it to another friend. And I said, I'm going to get over it. It's just, I'm frustrated and I feel like this. And she was like, yeah, I feel the same. I've definitely had those thoughts and I, I totally understand why, but I'm just trying not to let it get to me. And I was like, oh, well, damn you and your yogi brain (laughs) thoughts but you're right you're right and sometimes it's as simple as that to shift your perspective to just be open to the idea that maybe you're taking it too personally or making it about you and maybe it isn't at all and maybe you just need to let it go and try not to let it get to you and that sounds so simple but it's so hard in those moments when you feel really so hard pissed about something or you feel slighted or whatever Mm -hmm. And you keep turning it over in your mind and just working yourself up into a lather. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, I like that. (laughs) A bath analogy. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. Oh, I've never said that before. I want to use that work yourself up into a lather. Thank you for that. That was beautiful. My pleasure. That should be your next newsletter headline. Ooh, okay. Thanks for the inspiration. Mm-hmm. It's, I kind of talked about challenging my own convictions or even my attitude about something, but what about you? Yeah. What challenges you more in your thinking? You usually react to things pretty quickly. <laughs> you seem to know immediately how you feel, or that's how it seems from the outside. And I'm a really slow processor. Like, with a lot of things, unless it's been my category of things I definitely feel really strongly about and I'm never changing my <laughs> mind on, it takes me a long time to process some stuff. And sometimes I react in ways to try and keep the peace or avoid conflict. And then that ends up like creating more conflict because I'm not standing up for or showing up for people that I love and want to stand up for and show up for because I don't know how I feel about something. So what I've been working on is trying to articulate my own positions and opinions faster or more clearly so that I know where I stand. So doing lots of listening, but then also getting grounded and okay, this is how I personally feel about this subject, whatever it is. Uh, From my outsider's perspective, to me, it seems like the thing though, that is really good for open-mindedness. I find that you are very open to criticism 
and that you make it really easy for somebody. And I don't mean this like in a bad way. Like this isn't like you just roll over and let people like dump on you kind of thing. But I mean it in a way like if somebody's like offering you an alternative point of view or they're like your sister-in-law, you were mentioning calling you out for saying first thing, you you look so thin. You're very open to that and you you process that in such a lovely way. Like you don't get mad that, you know, somebody called you out for something and instead you're like, oh, you're right. I think your willingness to like accept something is lovely. I, I see that from the outside where I'm like, that that's a that is something I aspire to. Even if you don't react and you, you don't hold strong convictions right away or you like, you know, like here's what I have to say about that thing, like that I sometimes do. I think that that can often just like lead to better and more growth and change. Yeah, I mean, this is another place where we balance each other out really well because <laughs> I often wish that I stuck to my convictions more than I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And one example, this is sort of funny. We've been talking about this offline, but before I got married, I didn't want to get married. I wasn't interested in having a wedding or having a marriage. I was interested in a partnership, a long-term one. Commitment wasn't the thing. It was more the institution of marriage that I was not interested in. And I ended up um, giving in. <laughs> it sounds like a weird thing to say. <laughs> I got married. <laughs> And it was fine. I'm so glad I had a wedding. I was wrong about that. That was so fun. But then just this year, I've been married 10 years, and my husband slash partner, whatever we're calling them these days, he was like, you know, I think you were right about not getting married. We didn't need to get married. And wow. he's like, do you want to get unmarried? <laughs> and to be clear, this was not a divorce conversation. He was just like, should we like undo this thing that you didn't want to do? And I was like, oh, that sounds like so much paperwork. I don't really care. Like, it's fine. It's fine being married. Um, I don't have a problem with being married. But I wonder if I had stuck to my guns and not gotten married and also not changed my name. Some of you may know, listeners, I changed my name when I got married and then I changed it back a couple of years ago. And I'm really glad I changed it back. So... I'm like, what would have happened if I had really stuck by those convictions? I mean, I probably, my life would look the same. I don't think it would change that much. But anyway, that was a rambling way of saying I wish I stuck to my convictions more. Yeah, we've talked about the like marriage institution thing before. And I had no strong convictions about not getting married and <laughs> having a last name that has never been something that I had identified with, I was stoked to change my last name. That felt like the best thing for me. I was like, I don't have any attachment to this last name that I have because the the person who carried that last name, I don't even know them. And so it makes no sense for me to have it. And so having a new last name was really appealing to me for that reason. So I had no conviction over, you know, no marriage, whatever. And like you, I like long-term partnership sounded great. Definitely makes certain things easier and certain things harder. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the truth? (laughs) Casey, my partner, definitely challenges me in my thinking. In some ways, I think that that is truly the value of commitment. And I know there's so many things out there about like, why not commit commitment and, you know, monogamy is so outdated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know. I think one of the val- like real valuable things that I get from my partnership are that I have a person who consistently challenges the way that I think and often challenges also just in ways like 
if I'm being like a super brat about something or I suck in a situation, which I will and I do, he'll be the first to say that to me. And I think it's refreshing and I also think it's helped me really grow. And so I attribute a lot of that to having somebody who is a partner for a long term because you never have to fear that it's like, or, you know, ideally you don't fear that that person's going to abandon you if you make a mistake or you are out of line or you say something controversial, but they might challenge you and, you know, whether or not you agree, but I think it does either way force you to change. So I I value that about long-term partnership or marriage or however you want to, you know, embrace the the commitment thing. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think one of the reasons that I'm married to my partner (laughs) is because he is so sometimes frustrating, but he challenges me so much and so often. And I've had a lot of personal growth because it's not just like a sort of safe and cushy and comfortable place to land, but somewhere where I have the opportunity to grow and be challenged and be pushed. Yeah. And it's good, even though sometimes it's super annoying. Oh, (laughs) so annoying. Sometimes I'm just like, stop it. And stop being right about that thing. Cause I don't want to admit (laughs) that you're right about that thing, but it, it's when he's right, it's usually something that I might have been slightly out of line about or had that controversial opinion, or I had a couple too many glasses of wine and I said something that was loud and obnoxious and I shouldn't have said. And I'll do that too. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes they're just my thoughts that are like coming out to surface, but you know, it's not always the best thing to just voice those all with thunderous conviction. Sometimes you need to take a step back and take a little time to process and think before you open your mouth. <laughs> working on it. I'm working on it. I talked about this actually at last year's summer camp, how Casey has really taught me to be a better listener. And I I really stand by that. And with all of the, this year, with all of the 2020 energy, I think that I'm really taking that to heart. And I'm really glad that I have been able to open up my ears and my mind a little bit more and listen to others and not listen. Because I think that's important too. So who are you? Have you blocked anybody? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, I have. (laughs) One of the things I've been doing in quarantine is every time I'm online, I just casually unfollow or block a few people. (laughs) And it feels so good. The first person I blocked is the president. Obviously, I can't. I just can't. I can't engage with what he puts out on Twitter. I just can't do it. And then I see his name everywhere else. I mean, he's all over the news all the time. So the one place I felt like I could just mute the crazy and the divisiveness and the lies was on his Twitter feed. So I don't see his tweets and I'm pretty happy with that way. It's funny. I've taken the opposite approach and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I, I don't block him on Twitter. And instead I find myself once a week going on and just commenting on something he has tweeted. And it feels so cathartic to me to just rage tweet him. And usually my tweet starts with something like, you're a child. (laughs) Sorry, children, (laughs) that's kind of an insult. And then I go on to, you know, explain why all of the things I think that are childish, like Nancy Pelosi's haircut, for instance, I was like, this is the dumbest, dumbest shit I've ever seen. And also don't demonize her, like for getting a damn haircut when I'm sure you're doing worse. Yeah. So I've gone the opposite route and I don't know if it's right. I just, it just feels like, it's like that. 
It's like that show too hot to handle. Like, you know, it's wrong to be watching it, but you can't stop. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's so bad. Like every part of it's bad. It's like this infection that we all watched at the beginning or like beginning stages of, you know, coronavirus lockdown. And we all know that it's like this horrible, horrible show that's teaching us nothing. And yet (laughs) there we are watching it. And it's just so that we can rage tweet or share memes and feel better about ourselves in some way that we don't behave like that. I feel that way about Twitter. Like there's nothing good about it, but I also love it. That's funny. As you know, many years ago, I used to love Twitter. I used to tweet a lot. I've gotten myself in trouble for things I've tweeted on Twitter before. Tweeted on Twitter. (laughs) I've tweeted. I mean, you know where I tweeted, right? You don't like tweet your pants. It's like, (laughs) I don't know why I just said tweeted on Twitter. That's like such a mom thing. (laughs) (laughs) Also tweeted your pants. Sounds really funny. Anyways, I tweeted things that have gotten me in trouble before. And then I kind of like broke up with Twitter for a while. I sort of like got tired of it. And I think part of it was that my husband got on Twitter and he reads his Twitter stream like a book. And it used to make me feel really nuts. And I don't think he's the real reason. I think I just was like, I'm over it for now. But I'm back on in small spurts. I have these like snarky thoughts. And I don't feel like they're appropriate for anywhere else that I am online. And you can only group text people your snarky thoughts so much before everybody's like, stop. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, it's a great place to just vent like Mm -hmm. snarky thoughts. And I love all the snarky conversations. I feel like I get something out of Twitter, even though every time I'm on it, I'm like, this is what's wrong with everything. Uh (laughs) But here I am again on Twitter. Yeah. I've blocked a few people. Some of them are just people that like, I've muted a lot of people. You know, there's like that mute function on Instagram. God, Mm -hmm. and that's nice. Because then you don't have to do the unfollow business where they notice Because you don't have to make it personal, but you can just mute them. So if they just start putting out stuff that just makes me feel like real cray, then it's gone. Yeah, I've done I've done a lot of snoozing on Facebook, and a lot of it is people that I I still want to be connected with in some way. Just not right now. (laughs) Everything is so intense and so partisan, and I just need a little break from some of the more extreme views on my feed. So snoozing has been and muting on Instagram. I've been doing that really liberally. And I think it's been really a good thing overall. Yeah, I think that that's a really, really welcome function. I wish that I could snooze some people in real life. Um, (laughs) I went on a tangent camping (laughs) over the weekend. And my tangent was truly my thoughts. But I probably should have kept some of it to myself, as I often should. Um, But my tangent was about sort of others that it kind of fits in well, because it's like people I haven't been really listening to, I mean, to a degree that I've been trusting my instincts instead of doing what people are asking me. But as you know, there's been quite a lot of students, um, a lot asking us to open our studio, our fitness studio here in Portland. And we're not for the time being, and we're going to keep weathering and doing this digital thing, which is really hard, but it's a choice that feels the most comfortable to me. And I, I just, I just don't feel right about opening our doors in this current environment. And I get really tired of people telling me what other studios have opened or what protocols they have, or trying to influence my decision in any way, or our decision in any way. 
And I sort of feel like I've hit snooze on all of them in my mind because I'm like, I like you as people and as part of this community. But what I don't like right now is that what you're thinking about is yourself. And it's not really fair because you're asking me to put this huge responsibility on my shoulders and on my instructors and, and on this community. And if, if you were in this position, I like, I want to know what would you do? That's what I want to ask each of them. Would you make this decision? Because that's a huge decision and that's a lot of responsibility. And, and I don't, I don't want to play God in that way. Like I just, I didn't sign up for that. I signed up for having a place where people could feel really good and come in and move and and my tangent was about like all these people saying that to me. And I'm like, well, look, we have a digital studio and you can practice on Zoom. They're like, well, I can't practice in my living room. It's just not possible for me. And I'm like, dude, it's only as impossible if you make it impossible. Like nothing, like it's not impossible. And honestly, I've started to really like my home practice. And I've said that over and over and over again. Um, last night, if anybody, I'm not even sure anyone could see with my camera angled the way it was, but I was taking a class and my son picked up a basketball and, you know, threw it to me while I was on my back and it's imperfect. My dog sometimes runs and comes underneath me. And at one point, my partner and kid were both taking the recycling and trash out, and <laughs> like walking through the room. And yeah, it's distracting. Um, and it's not perfect, but it's also something. And I feel like that's my tangent. It's just like, quit asking for things. Why don't you just take action and try something differently and be open-minded to something new? And stop telling me that you can't practice at home for whatever reason. Like it's too distracting or, you know, whatever. I have cats. I'm like, dude, I feel all of those things, but like you can do it. <laughs> like you can, if you want to. And if you don't want to, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us for another episode of Shiny Objects. If you enjoyed it and want to hear more, we'd appreciate you subscribing and reviewing us on your podcast app of choice. We'd also love to hear what you're going through. Send a 30-second audio clip to hi at shinyobjects.live and we may feature you on a future podcast. Thanks for listening and come back soon.